can take your seats. Good morning, church. You're all looking very well on this rainy Sunday. Loving the weather. I've got my long sleeves on, brought it out of the back of the cupboard. Loving it. Um, This morning, you're probably wondering where Pastor Sam and Carolina are. They're actually ministering at our INC conference in Coffs Harbour. Very cool. They've been there since Thursday. That's the movement that we're a part of, International Network of Churches. And so it's pretty cool that our location passes, our very own, have such regional influence across Australia. They've been asked to go minister there. So we might just take a moment and pray for them. Okay. Lord, we thank you for our pastors. We love them and their family. I pray for a fantastic trip. We pray for God, divine opportunities to minister, to learn. We pray for some family time in there and a safe trip home. Amen. 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 We love them. We're missing them. Make sure you text them and say that. You notice they weren't here and they're very missed. So this morning, we are continuing our theme of reaching our world. And to be honest, I find this theme very challenging because it's so practical. It goes down to the core of who we are as Christians and to what we believe God has asked each one of us to do. And um, it has been an incredible theme. And this morning's title is Close to Home, a little bit too close to home. So we're going to be talking about Moses. Now, I love Moses' story. It's a huge story. Uh, I cannot cover it all this morning, and I really do encourage you to read it for yourselves, but I'm going to give you the short version. Okay, you ready for it? Moses was an Israelite. He was born in Egypt at a time when the Israelites were oppressed. So they were slaves to Pharaoh, and the um, Pharaoh was doing a really good job of oppressing them. Such a good job that one day he decided, I'm actually going to kill all the Israelite male babies. So right before the genocide happens, Moses' mother wraps him in a blanket, pops him in a basket and floats him down the Nile River. Crazy, right? And baby Moses floats along the Nile River and ends up in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter. Absolutely incredible. And he is adopted into Pharaoh's family. A slave sentenced to death is now part of the royal lineage. And it doesn't stop there. We see Moses go on and as he grows, he ends up killing someone. Didn't expect that. He actually murders an Egyptian for the way that they are treating the Israelites. And this is obviously not condoned by Pharaoh. He's meant to be adopted into you know, the Egyptian family, the Egyptian way of life. And here he is killing for the Israelites. So Moses flees Egypt and becomes a fugitive. And we intercept the story this morning when Moses has been asked by God to return to Egypt. And I wanted to explain the background and the context because of how enormously daunting what God was asking Moses to do. Moses was a slave with a death sentence, turned royal, turned murderer, turned fugitive, and we find him now in the desert with an insecurity about his stutter. Right? You've got Pharaoh, 
who God is saying to Moses, go free my people, the Israelites from Pharaoh. That's actually now Moses' brother who he grew up with. You've got the Egyptians who are Moses' adopted, sorry, I'm saying Moses's, bear with me. Moses' adopted family, essentially. And then you've got the Israelites who are his biological family, his biological people group, but he doesn't necessarily know them that well. It is highly complex, highly messy, and really big what God is asking. But the awesome thing is that it didn't matter that Moses had a screwed up family. It didn't matter that he had made mistakes. And it didn't matter that he was definitely one of the least qualified and the least eloquent. God wanted to use Moses just as he was to reach his world. So your first point this morning is your hometown. What is your hometown? And who is waiting there for you? This week, are you going to work? Are you taking care of children? Are you part of a family or friendship groups? Your hometown. Your people. Exodus 3, 7 to 14. The Lord said, and this is the Lord speaking to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all of those places. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I love it because even though God's plan was so big, I mean, imagine being Moses sitting there thinking like, I know Egypt and you're asking me to go all the way back to this huge place. I know what the royal family is like. I know what it's like to march yourself into Pharaoh's um, presence and say, let my people go. That is not going to go down well. I know this God. But in God's grand plans, he also made room for Moses's smallness and his questions. God's plan involves him doing the extraordinary through the ordinary. God works through us. God's plan was simple, but so grand. Head home, Moses, and follow my lead. I love that God starts with I in that passage. I've seen, I will rescue. I have seen my people suffering. I've heard them cry out. But then he flips it on Moses at the end and says, so I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you. And isn't that exactly what God's like? 
Egypt was where Moses had grown up and God was literally asking him to reach his world. God can use your past and your current to reach those around you. Moses had the Egyptians, his worldly friends and family, and he had the Israelites, those who believed in God. And God was asking him to reach both. Isn't that so, such a representation of our lives? Going out on a Monday and not just interacting with Christians, interacting with the world as well. It was crazy, daunting and big. And the awesome part is that once we become Christians, this is our mandate too. The Great Commission is set out in Matthew 28 and we intercept this passage when Jesus has already uh, been crucified and died and God's already risen him from the dead and now he's appearing to his disciples and it's all done and dusted and the big events happened and his disciples are going, well, what now? It's all happened. Everything we were talking about has happened. What do we do now? And Jesus says, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of the circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. This is an incredible passage and it is literally our guidebook for what to do next. Head into your hometown and follow his lead. Our role as Christians is to, in this world is to take our knowledge of the hope and truth and share it. And I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about all, all of the seasons in life. You know, we start out perhaps as in school, right? And then you graduate school and you might go to uni or you might go to work or you might create friends, you know, married friends or young family friends or however your life goes ahead. But in each part, there are seasons. So I'm not still friends with all of my school friends. I've grown up, moved on. That was my season to impact them. And now I'm on to the next season. And so when I was in university... That was my season to impact those individuals. And so I wonder this morning if we can be a church, a group of people that are so present in every season that we're actually purposefully going out into our hometown and following his lead. Understanding that you might not get a chance in five years or ten years because right now is the season. However messy or mundane your hometown is, you are there for a reason. God's plan involves him doing the extraordinary through the ordinary, through us. His plan is simple and grand. Head into your hometown and follow his lead. And the second part for you this morning is your invitation. The absolute worst thing that we can do as Christians, and I'm sure we've all been through it and been there, is that we can live our lives openly with others, interact with colleagues every day, go to school with people, go to university with people, interact with family members and forget to actually invite. 
there is a moment that comes where we actually have to invite. So the first part of, inv- of your invitation is don't forget your invites. When we head into our hometown and go into our world, it's really important that we don't just go, hi, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know the hope of the world. Okay, bye. Yeah? Doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't make sense. Moses did not return to Egypt the same. He left Egypt as a slave turned royal, turned murderer, turned fugitive with an insecurity about a stutter. But he returned to Egypt as Moses plus God. Plus God. And as Dave said, I'm a lawyer. So part of my job obviously is appearing in court. I remember the first time I appeared in court, I'm standing there and I'm like, you're on all like so nervous and such a pipsqueak and everyone can see that you're the newbie on the block. And I had to train myself to actually infiltrate my world in a way, return to my hometown, the courtroom, by saying, actually, no, hang on a second. It's not just Romy. It's Romy plus God. And I stand here knowing the hope of the world. I stand here having already won because he's already won. I'm Romy plus God. And I wonder in your world what you need to return to this week, tomorrow, and change your mentality a little bit. Hey, I'm not just me. I'm me plus God. Go into your hometown and don't forget your invites. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Sharing our lives and sharing the gospel, gospel, going into our hometown and taking our invites. They go hand in hand. Amazing to think what our world would be like if the church just didn't head into their hometown, but actually remembered the precious invitation that we all hold, the hope of the world. And our key is not to feel pressure. It's not to necessarily have pamphlets that you make everyone take. The key is to not overcomplicate it. Colossians 1, 27 to 29. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this, Christ is in you. So therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic, Christ. No more, no less. Not complicated. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. So simple. So powerful. Head into your hometown and just start handing out the invites. And number two, um, part two of the Your Invitation, use what you've got. Exodus 4, 1 to 5 and 10 to 11. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord has not appeared to you? 
Then the Lord said to him, well, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. And then Moses threw it to the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to you. And Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord, now go? I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. Love that. Head into your hometown. Follow his lead. What do you already have in your hand? Without focusing on how big the plan is, what do you already hold that you can use? And at the very minimum, if you're a bit stuck on what you hold, remember that you have breath in your lungs. We are alive representations of Jesus Christ. And I've been playing with this idea of the attractive invitation. And we've all received those invites to things that are incredibly unattractive, things that you do not want to attend. I made some funny examples. So first one that I thought of is the last minute unorganized desperation. We all know that, you know, the late, late night call. Quick, quick, I need you to do this. Some task that wasn't done just because no one organized it. What about the inconsistent expectation? Do we all want to go be a part of something where no one ever lives up because the expectation is changing? Not an attractive invite. What about the loud and overconfident presumption? You know, the invite that says, no, you must come to this. Very South African of me. You must, you must. You must come to this event. It's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. Do we want to be at a meeting, a last minute meeting where some person standing up the front bossing everyone around saying, come on, let's all work harder for this unobtainable goal? (laughs) Or do we want to be a part of the party where the invite is all are welcome, the food is flowing, the conversation is easy, laughter is all around and the host is relaxed? I know where I want to be. Are you an attractive invitation to your world? Is your life an attractive portrayal of a life with Jesus? You may be the only example they have. And the Bible tells us, you know, repeatedly throughout the whole Bible on how to live a life with Jesus. But here's just two. Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's a pretty high standard, isn't it? an attractive invitation. Romans 14, 1. 
welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do and don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department, remember they have their own history to deal with. And I love this. Treat them gently. An attractive invitation. Is your life an attractive invitation this morning? Do you live in a way that is inviting to the world? Are you a good representation of Jesus? They're huge questions, but there's something that we must do as Christians. There I go again, South African, must. Something that we do need to do as Christians. Reflect, am I an attractive representation? So grab your invitations Head into your hometown. Remember to hand out your invites and remember that you are the example of why they should accept that invite. And lastly this morning, your visitors pass. This point is so important to me because I am a type A personality. I'm choleric through and through. I always tend to be like, go, 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 do, 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 let's get this done. If something isn't productive, it really irritates me. Like conversations have to be productive and I don't like fluff. And so I verge all the time on um, being very task orientated. So if I hear reach your world, I think, okay, so we're going to hit these neighborhoods and we're going to do this and we're going to throw these events and we're going to go talk to these people and tick, 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 cross my T's dot my eyes. Let's get going. But the most important thing that we remember is that we're only on this world. You're only in your hometown on a visitor's pass. You don't belong here. This isn't your home. The Bible tells us again and again that we are in this world, but we aren't of it. We are God's children. Moses did go to Egypt He listened to God. He headed into his hometown. And the Israelites were freed from slavery. And the story goes on that throughout the Israelites' journey, it wasn't an easy one. And Moses became the representative of God to the people and the representative of people to God. He acted as the in-between man. And he stood there and met with God and encountered God one-on-one again and again and again. And the awesome part for us is that we get to have a completely authentic one-on-one relationship with the Holy Trinity, thanks to Jesus. And so the most important thing is that we remember that He is number one. He is number one. We We hold a visitor's pass, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me, says Jesus speaking. What is required is serious obedience and doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. The NIV version says, I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. And it breaks my heart that as Christians, we can get to this place where we are in our hometown and we are handing out invites and we are going, going, going and doing, doing, doing. But we forgot to just be. We forgot to be with Christ. A.W. Tozer writes, We please Him most, not by frantically trying to make ourselves good, but by throwing ourselves into His arms with all our imperfections and believing that He understands everything and still loves us. Whenever I get myself into a place where I'm going, 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 do, 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 I've created like this little motto, you know, little life motto, which is be merry. Come on, Romy, be merry. Be merry. Because in the Bible, we see this image, this beautiful image of what it's like to see a Christian who loves God, but is so busy doing stuff that they miss Jesus. Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha, she was very busy. She was distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. Is that anyone? Distracted, busy. And she approached the Lord and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Anyone throwing tantrums here at God? Why am I doing it? Tell her to help me and do your part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Church, I pray that we are not Christians that get so caught up in doing that we forget to be with Christ. You hold a visitor's pass. You are meant to go into your hometown. You are meant to hand out invitations. And that is so honourable and good and right. But don't forget your visitor's pass. Don't forget who you belong to and where your home is. When we get the urge to go, go, go and do, 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 pause, take a breath and remember who you serve. Jesus is not a tyrant. He's not. He is love and peace and truth. He is really cool and we can quit stressing. Be with Him. So church, head into your hometown. Doesn't matter if it's messy. Doesn't matter if it's mundane and boring. Head there. And remember your invitations. Take them with you and make sure that your life is such a beautiful, attractive representation of a life with Jesus. And remember your visitors pass. We are first and foremost children of God. Amen. And you might be here this morning 
And I'm talking to you about an invitation. And you might not have responded to an invitation yet to know Jesus, or maybe you would like to come back to being in relationship with Him. And as a church family, we take this moment very seriously. And we're all gonna close our eyes out of respect to the individuals in this room. And as a church family,